G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, tomorrow South Australians are off to the polls for their state election. This time there appears to be some earth-shaking dynamics at work. And listeners all over Australia will be interested to know that religion and politics are firmly on the agenda. One of the reasons is that organisations like Australian Christian Lobby and Family Voice Australia have been actively working, giving greater prominence to Christian views in political debate. How rare is this? Life issues are front and centre since the Parliament passed legislation allowing abortion all the way up to birth. So intense is the sentiment on the divinely appointed value of human life the Family First Party has been reborn with two former Labor front benches from a Catholic faction putting pressure on the Labor Party's political agenda in South Australia. Well, the incumbent Liberal Premier Stephen Marshall is fighting for his political life, seeking re-election. He's challenged by opposition leader Peter Malinowskis, a former union boss who happens to be Catholic and pro-life. We may all be in a ringside seat, witnessing changing dynamics in the Australian political landscape. Over the next 90 minutes, we'll hear from South Australian political leaders and commentators from a variety of political backgrounds. We're kicking off our broadcast today of 2020 and our special election preview with Christopher Brohier, the South Australian State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby. Christopher, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's great to be here. And to the Reverend Dr. Lynn Arnold, former South Australian Labor Premier and now Minister of the Gospel, serving as a priest in the Anglican Church in Adelaide. Lynn Arnold, welcome along. Thank you very much, Neil. Good to be with you once again. I was talking about life issues in the introduction. Let me start with you, Christopher Brohia. Life issues are in the minds of voters and perhaps like never before. What are your thoughts? Well, it's very interesting, Neil, that in the final leaders debate run by Sky News um, a couple of nights ago, the second question that was asked was on abortion to birth. A lady uh, asked the Premier, uh, saying that her priest had said that people who voted to, to allow abortion to birth should be put last, and uh, she said that in her seat, um, which was the seat of Heysen, the member had voted for abortion to birth, so had Rachel Sanderson in her son's seat, and so had the Premier. And she asked the Premier why he did that. So that I've been election watching since before Lynn was Premier of South Australia, which was 100 years ago. Sorry, Lynn. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that has never happened in a leaders' debate. And so that is an indication, in my view, that this issue is front and centre in the minds of lots of people in South Australia. 
Front and centre, the Reverend Dr. Lynn Arnolds. And after politics, Lynn, you served in World Vision and Anglicare. Mm-hmm. You were ordained mm-hmm. in the Anglican Church. Today, you're serving in St. Peter's Cathedral in Adelaide. Uh, there is a life issue in play. What's your take on what's happening? Well, I mean, I think it's very interesting that I agree with Christopher that this time around in the election campaign, this issue is much more uh, on the agenda than in previous uh, elections. And, of course, it was brought to a head by the unfortunate passage of that bill to our parliament uh, here. I mean, that was deeply unfortunate. Um, There were uh, people on both sides who who voted against it, but not enough to to actually defeat that legislation. Um, and, And so that's why it's become so key here. And that's why we're, we're seeing uh, letterboxing actually targeting um, those members on both sides, on all sides of politics, who supported that legislation being, being named for that process. But I also think there's some other uh, issues of, uh, of, of quality of life and decency that uh, I hope are going to be addressed. Unfortunately, in the remaining 24 hours of the campaign, they don't look like they will be, but I think should be of serious concern to voters. Uh, you know, I'm concerned about the fact that we hear time and again that uh, Adelaide is uh, sometimes referred to as the ice capital of Australia. And uh, now whether or not that's currently correct, I don't know. But certainly we have serious um, uh, addiction to, to ice taking place. And the, the family damage that is happening as a result of that is devastating. We A number of news reports where you see serious uh, uh, social issues occurring, often as not, you will see it linked back to ice. Lynn, let me stay with you for a moment and your assessment, a former Labor Premier, but uh, as you're assessing both sides now, uh, there is a rising of the call for drugs decriminalisation in some places like certainly Victoria and very advanced in the ACT. Is there that sort of feeling that's happening that uh, you're aware of in the South Australian Parliament? Oh, well, there certainly are people in the South Australian Parliament who are who are talking in that direction. I remind uh, mind you or our listeners that I, I crossed the floor on the marijuana decriminalisation back in 1985 and have, no, have had no cause to resile on, on, on what I did on that occasion. I still believe I did the right thing. And so if I was still there, I'd be voting against any further decriminalisation. But you're right, there is a narrative that's starting to shape where people are saying, oh, look, it's actually going to be much easier to deal with if, if we decriminalize these things. Well, I'm sorry, I don't agree with that. I think that that is, uh, is quite an incorrect kind of point of view. Christopher Brough here. This is something that the Australian Christian Lobby has been hot on as well, a decriminalisation of drugs. Uh, what have you noted in, uh, in South Australia around that and, and with the election? Well, Neil, um, I think... Lynn raised a very important point, and it's not just in Adelaide. Some of the country centres in South Australia are really badly, badly affected. By oh, you're quite right. Absolutely right, yes. And I've got a bit to do with Mount Gambia because my son works or just has just finished working there as a lawyer. And the thing about ICE is that it, what it does is it blocks the receptors of, of that stop adrenaline being punched out. So mm-hmm. we have a flight and fear response. Something happens, you punch out adrenaline, and then it's blocked off. I stopped mm-hmm. that being blocked off, so the body keeps pumping adrenaline. And so people become possessed, That, uh, if I use that word, by this rush of adrenaline. And they mm-hmm. do crazy, crazy things. And there mm-hmm. is no way 
for example, that decriminalizing it will help because you take the drug and this gets you. This, this really destroys you. Whether it's legal or not is not the point. You're going to be destroyed mm. by it. Let me ask you, uh, first of all, to you, Chris, uh, if there is a push for decriminalisation of drugs in South Australia, uh, which side do you think is likely to be pushing that more than the other? Um, what I've learnt in the last four years, Neil, is that sides don't matter anymore and that it's people that matters. And it's quite likely that whoever, whichever side is elected, Labour or Liberal, there'll be people who will push for that in Parliament. So we have seen in the last four years under a Liberal government an attempt to decriminalise abortion completely, which nearly got through, defeated 24 votes to 19 in the lower house, with the Premier and the Attorney General voting for decriminalisation and the opposition leader voting against it. We've seen abortion to birth passed. We've seen on, on that issue, the critical issue was an amendment moved by David Spears, Liberal Minister, uh-huh. to restrict abortion to birth. The bill was always going to pass. That was the, that was the crunch. And on uh-huh. that crunch issue, uh, the Premier and the, and the Deputy Premier voted against it, and the leader of the opposition voted for it to restrict late-term abortion. And Tom Kutsantonis was coming on, was, a, was one of the lead opponents, together with David Spears, Steve Murray, and uh, Stephen Mulligan, two Liberal, two Labour. So, and then we've seen euthanasia. So when the parliament first started this, this four years, I spoke to an MP who told me, normally we'd expect one of these a term. We've had all three. And that's under a Liberal government. So it doesn't matter which party gets in. There are people on both sides who would push this, what I call an evil agenda, and they have to be resisted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lynn Arnold, oftentimes uh, the Liberals aligning conservatively usually try to preserve uh, some of those moral foundations. And often we're seeing a push from the progressive left uh, to liberalise these sorts of things we're talking about today. Are we seeing a change in what is happening in Labour in South Australia? Well, I think what you're referring to really, uh, Neil, is that in, in recent decades, perhaps, it, what you've said might have been reflected in the political makeup in the parliament. The long-term traditions, however, of the Labour Party are actually very socially conservative, uh, going right back to the, to the foundations uh, in this country and, and certainly in the state uh, back in the, uh, the late 19th century. What I think is now happening is that there is a stronger voice being given by some uh, in the Labour side to the importance of some of these issues. And Christopher quite rightly identified the fact that uh, in this last parliament, uh, you've seen uh, support for opposition to certain measures uh, on the social agenda coming strongly from both sides of, of the parliament. That, that has been, a, 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 I think, a pleasing development over these, uh, these last couple of years, and hopefully that will continue. 
Lynn, you mentioned the letterbox dropping that's happening in so many of those key marginal electorates, and this has been an initiative. You've got Christopher Bro here from the Australian Christian Lobby and uh, uh, the development of what is a huge standing army of people who are ready to fight on these moral issues by letterbox dropping and uh, telephoning and those sorts of things. Uh, how do you think uh, that is affecting any of the way that the electorate uh, might be responding in the election tomorrow? Um, at, so at the moment, I can only think about it. Tomorrow night, I'll know about it. But the, uh, I, just the, the kind of feedback I'm getting is that it, it's having quite an effect. Um, you, you need to remember, of course, that democracy is about vox populi speaking um, and determining who will govern, and that therefore, in the end, governments and oppositions are, or at least should be, reactive to what vox populi wants on these issues. Um, and I think on this occasion, it's interesting to see that there is a, 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 a stronger voice being spoken. Christopher, your perspective on what's happening with the, the standing army and the letterboxing and the really active Christian voice in the election. Any thoughts here? Yeah, Neil. So before this bill was passed, the termination of pregnancy bill, we did a, a, a poll, a, a a proper um, opinion poll in South Australia, and roughly 67% of South Australians did not want abortion to birth. Separate, it was set, that issue was separate out about the issue of abortion itself, but abortion to birth, mm-hmm. clear opposition. That's correct. 3,000 people marched in the, in the rain last year before the passing of the bill, asking people, Parliament not to pass it. Two weeks later, in good weather, about 150 supported it. There was a massive campaign of right people writing letters, and Claire Scriven and Nicola Centafanti, who are two wonderful women in the upper house, one Labour and one Liberal. And one of the blessings of the last election was that Claire was elected to the upper house, and she's been a stalwart. And and in the course of the last parliament, Nicola Centafanti came into the upper house. They are a magnificent team of of like uh, wonder women. Um, and they have really been very strong in this. Um, and so uh, they, we made it clear to people that by these letters, and Claire and Nicola had a picture of a stack of mail, like almost a foot high against the bill, and a very few letters for the bill. There's a photo there. Uh, you can crack it down in their Facebook pages, I think. Now, despite all of that, the proponents of the bill, and you have to say it was led by Vicky Chapman, the Attorney General. She pushed it, pushed it very hard, passed this bill. And I think a line was crossed in people's minds. Certainly, the feedback I've had since then is lots of Liberal voters saying to me, we'll never vote Liberal. I was asked to speak at a little Bible study group in Springfield. That's blue, blue, right? And people there saying, we, won't, we don't want to vote Liberal this time. Country South Australia, in York Peninsula, some people I know there saying, we never vote Liberal again. So something happened in people's consciousness that this was wrong and should not have happened. When something happens in people's consciousness, I'll get your thoughts here, Lynn. In fact, uh, just for listeners, uh, Lynn Arnold, actually an expert on aspects of society and cultural norms. 
uh, the way that language is used. And that's where your uh, PhD qualification was. What are you seeing in this thought, as Christopher raises it, a crossing of the line? And while people might have even been stalwart supporters uh, of the mm. Liberal Party, seeing these things come to light, they're, they're challenged in the way that they've always thought. Any thoughts here? Well, this is a very interesting point that you make, because we see what happens in society generally is that narratives change, words change, they become cheapened in their context. What we've actually seen a bit happening now is some pushback on some of that. And the kind of example that Christopher's talking about uh, was saying, no, I don't actually want me that anymore. I found that uh, and talk the high percentage of people who actually indicated opposition to abortion to birth. Um, you know, there was a lot of narrative going around about that, but this is not what you think it is. Um, well, yes, it was what you thought it was, and it needed to be uh, changed. Now, actually, in their opinions, have called that out. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special 2020 election preview, the state election in South Australia to be held tomorrow. Our initial guests in this broadcast, Christopher Brohier, the South Australian State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby, and the Reverend Dr Lynn Arnold, the former South Australian Labor Premier and now a minister in the Anglican Church. Uh, let me ask you, Lynn Arnold, if we're talking issues around uh, health and the economy, uh, COVID is still present, although we feel as though we're emerging from that. Uh, in some previous elections over the last couple of years, we've seen uh, certainly incumbent premiers taking advantage of the idea of keeping you safe through COVID. Uh, Stephen Marshall can't necessarily do that because people are feeling a whole lot more free in the way that they're able to move around. Any thoughts about the effects of COVID in this election? Well, I, I think you're right in picking up the fact that I don't think it will be the security factor for the incumbent government that it was in other states. And I don't know that that's necessarily a, a very fair outcome because I think the, the state government here did do an excellent job in keeping the community safe. And I, I particularly congratulated them back in 2020 when they were also making sure that the homeless on the street were kept safe. And this was a, a top-class initiative that they were doing. However... As a community, two years down the track, we are collectively tired. Um, and, and therefore, I think that any government coming up now won't get the, the same kind of uh, pat on the back for the COVID response that they did in the last uh, two years. And, uh, and, and in a political sense, that's just a reality uh, and unfortunate for the government of the day. Christopher Bro here. Your thoughts on COVID and the effects that are going on in South Australia right now? Uh, thoughts on the election? I think one thing that might impact, and this is not exactly within our wheelhouse because we haven't had much to say about what the government has done. Um, there are legitimate issues that they have to do. It is the issue of VAX mandates because people have lost actually lost their jobs. And these are like long-term teachers, long-term police officers, nurses. There's a case I'm on at the moment in the South Australian Supreme Court about that. And that, because that has meant, uh, man, it's a frequent issue that's raised with me at ACL meetings. 
one man said he'd, he'd lost his job. He was looking like he's losing his house. So that that breeds a real anger, even. And uh, so uh, it's a it's a thought. This is not an ACL view. This is a personal view that. I think the state of emergency has gone too long and we need to get back to cabinet government so that people know that the people they elected are running the state and not uh, Commissioner Stevens and uh, Professor Spurrier. Hard as they have worked, I think the time has come for us to get back to cabinet government. Lynn Arnold, premiers around Australia appear to have a special new taste for power and they've seen the COVID issue allow them to take more power than most Christian commentators uh, like to think is healthy. Uh, your thoughts around that and, and how voters might respond to uh, Stephen Marshall and uh, and uh, to uh, the leader of the opposition, Peter Malinaskis, uh, their positions on these things? Well, of course, we know particularly the heated debate that took place in Victoria, where there did seem to be quite an extra reach for power uh, by the government. There was a lesser one here in South Australia, uh, much lesser reach, but that was actually defeated in the House of Assembly by the by the crossbench and the opposition. So I don't think we've actually seen quite the same issue in this state of what you call a reach for power. I think the important point to remember is that in an emergency situation, you do need the government and its agencies to have appropriate power. And then when the emergency passes, you should return to a normal situation. Um, and I think that's what's, what's currently happening. There can be some debate, of course, about whether or not the opening up should have happened when it did. Uh, you know, various of us take the view that perhaps it was a little bit premature. Um, but at some point, the government, I guess the opposition too, recognised that there had to be a return to uh, something like a normal situation. Let's move on to some other issues. Uh, the emergence of Family First, two former Labor frontbenchers. And of course, uh, there's also the appearance of Bob Day returning with his Australian Family Party looking to counter the influence of the Greens in South Australia and the disappointment with major parties. Christopher Brohier, uh, these other uh, minor parties now emerging and uh, they are challenging the equilibrium here too. Uh, what are your thoughts on their emergence? I think from our point of view, it's been a very helpful uh, development because what Family First, Australian Family Party and One Nation, uh, led by Jennifer Game in this state, have done right from the start, family, Australian Family Party and One Nation led, led this uh, initiative. And then once Family First was um, uh, became a party, uh, they've taken the same position. To preference expressly on the basis of how MPs voted on what's called the Spears Amendment, the amendment restricting abortion to birth. So if M MPs voted for that amendment, they would receive the minor party preferences, and those who voted against it would not receive the minor party preferences. That is really significant. I think it's the first time that it's happened in South Australia that the minor parties haven't done deals with the main parties on preferencing, but they've chosen an issue of principle. And that will, it'll remain to be seen how effective that will be. But if, if you take the current polling, which looks like something like 8 or 9% uh, going to minor parties, apart from the Greens, the Greens get about 8%. So that up to about 16, 15, 16% not to the two majors. 
that will have an effect in the really, really marginal seats. So that's been, I think, a wonderful development for the sake of principle in in this um, in this election and going forward. Family First, of course, when in its original form, became a force Australia-wide. Of course, merged with the Australian Conservatives, and when Cory Bernardi shut it down, we saw the end of Family First. A lot of Christian members who'd sowed blood, sweat, toil and tears into Family First were very disappointed with that. There's an issue in South Australia where the major parties were resistant to having Christians join. I wonder, uh, Lynn Arnold, you might have your own thoughts on this, uh, but even the Liberal Party uh, was resistant to or blocking Christians from joining the Liberal Party. Now, it's well known that the Labor Party, uh, whether it's federal or state around Australia, has been resistant to having Christian voices join as membership of the Labor Party, but when it happens on both sides, uh, any thoughts here from you, Lynn Arnold? Well, I, I have to actually call you up on this, Neil. I, I was a, a parliamentary member of the Labor Party for 15 years. Um, I was not stopped joining the party because of my Christian faith. Uh, I was not stopped uh, advancing through the ranks of the party because of my Christian faith. There were some who, who did object in the party to my votes. I crossed the floor a number of times on various uh, social issues. And one time a reporter put in the paper, well, Lynn Arnold shot himself in the foot for ever being Premier. Well, I became Premier. So I, I don't agree that the Labour Party has had a, uh, a tradition of, of, of stopping Christians becoming members. And nor has the Liberal Party, by and large. There has been this recent episode, which they'll have to explain what was going on there. Um, but uh, So I just have to call, call you out on, on that point. Although uh, in more recent times, of course, uh, the Labour Party has been a lot more stringent on its membership and uh, certainly in the lead-up to the marriage debate uh, just three to four years ago, uh, that was when uh, Labour Party uh, really was denying uh, the way that uh, anyone might express a opinion that might be uh, pro-marriage. Uh, so uh, that's, a bit more, is, that's a little more recent. You're talking about the conscience vote here, not about excluding people from joining the party. You know, Christopher himself has highlighted Claire Scriven in the in the state upper house here. Uh, now, the issue of whether there's a conscience vote, um, that's certainly true, that sometimes the Labour Party has a view against having a conscience vote, and occasionally so does the Liberal Party. Um, now, I, on one vote, in fact, the marijuana vote back in 1985, I was told that was not a conscience vote, and I said, well, I'm going to cross anyway. Um, as, as it then happened, it became a conscience vote. But I, uh, I know that people of faith in any party who feel strongly enough about an issue don't need to be told whether they have a conscience vote or not. OK, a couple of quick issues because we're running short of time on our segments. Uh, let me ask about cost of living because this is becoming an issue around Australia. Uh, whether there's uh, been an election issue uh, for South Australians, but uh, the price of things are going up. Inflation is biting in a lot of areas. The poor suffer most when cost of living pressures are there. Uh, Christopher, any thoughts from you around whether this is an issue that South Australians are concerned with? Uh, the leader of the opposition is certainly trying to make it an issue. The Premier is saying that we're, we're doing very well. We've got the lowest unemployment. Both of those things are probably true to some degree. I think the real way that this is biting is the cost of petrol, because that is a massive, massive slug on people now. 
petrol prices what two twenty one a litre or something, and people are not going to be afford to drive. And I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't know if it's a state government answer. I, I, I very much doubt that. This is these massive global issues that are working out, but somehow we have got to address this issue of the bigger issue of energy and Australia really has to confront dealing with energy in a in a in a practical way. Lynn Arnold, cost of living pressures. As a minister of the gospel, a priest in the Anglican Church, uh, no doubt uh, in your own parish, these sorts of things are biting for some. Uh, any thoughts around whether this is a big issue that South Australians are interested in tomorrow? It's certainly a big issue, and Christopher's quite right that state governments can't do much about the petrol issue. The big issue, the bigger picture issue, however, is the affordability of housing, and we have a growing number of families who cannot afford uh, the reasonable expenses to have decent accommodation. Some households are now paying up to 40% of their income on getting any form of accommodation. And frankly, governments of both persuasions over the last 20 years have had some pretty poor records on how they've dealt with this issue of the supply of uh, affordable quality housing to people uh, who can't afford the high uh, prices that uh, others can. Before I farewell the two of you, uh, let me get some predictions from you. What's going to happen with tomorrow's election? Is there going to be one side that wins a majority? Is it going to be a hung parliament? Are there going to be a whole lot more independence on a crossbench in the lower or the upper house? Christopher Brow here. Any thoughts on your prediction for tomorrow? Well, I'm not going to give you a prediction. I'm going to give you my prayer for the last oh, for the last six or seven months. I've prayed for a minority government with conservative independence holding the balance of power. Okay. That's what I would like to see. Good thought. Uh, Lynn Arnold, your, your prediction for tomorrow? Well, I think it will be a minority government. I think Labor will make it. Uh, there will be quite a number of independents there. But uh, some of those independents will support a Labour government as they did back in 2002. Uh, and some of them, therefore, may even come from the Conservative side and support a, a Labour government. OK, well, we'll end our uh, segment here. But uh, Christopher Bro here, the State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby in South Australia. Thank you so much for being part of our conversation today. Thank you, Neil, and thanks for asking me. And the Reverend Dr. Lynn Arnold, former South Australian Premier and now Minister in the Anglican Church in Adelaide. Uh, Lynn, thank you so much for being part of our conversation. Well, thank you, Neil, and thank you, Christopher. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 